0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded
1: live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
2: Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're here today. I want to invite you to stand and sing with us this morning. I'm wandering into the night Wanting a place to hide This weary soul This vagabond I try with all my might, But I just can't with the fight I'm slowly drifting A vagabond Just when I ran out the road Oh! Big tree
3: Happy Sunday, everybody. What a great way to start off the day. Would you agree? Absolutely. Hey, I want to welcome all of you here, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us via stream. We're grateful that we can be together in this way. And that song, it speaks a powerful truth and a truth that we need to keep in mind today, that God is the one. He is not only with us, but he also goes before us. And he truly does fight our battles. And especially during those moments where it's difficult and painful, it's heart-wrenching that he is with us and he is before us. And that's something very important to keep in mind because that is where we are headed today. But before we actually get there, I want to mention a few things that are going to be happening in the next few weeks. And it's crazy to think that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. But what that means is, is one of my favorite traditions that we have here at Kensington. And it's crazy to think that it is year 27 that we are doing this. And it is Thanksgiving baskets. And if you have never been a part of this, I want to invite you to be a part of it and jump in this year. And there are two ways that you can do so. And the first is by donating. in that every $50 that is raised, we will be able to create a Thanksgiving basket which has everything a family needs to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. And so these families that we're going to be delivering these baskets to otherwise likely wouldn't be able to enjoy one. And so that is the first way, donating. And the second way is delivering. In that on November 20th, we'd love for you to come to our campus, sign up, and be a part of delivering these baskets to families in the local area. And it really is a powerful, powerful experience in that many times we're able to have conversations and hear their stories, sometimes even pray for them. And so if you'd like more information, if you'd like to sign up, go to our app, go to that website that you see there. Or if you're here in the room, you can also go out to the lobby afterwards and there's a table out there where you can do all of that as well. Then the next day, November 21st, we are going to be having our baptism service. And what we believe here at Kensington concerning baptism is that there's nothing magical that happens in the water, but rather what baptism is, it's an outward sign of an inward transformation that Jesus has done in our lives. And that what he's done is that he has changed us and he has given us life. He has moved us from spiritual death to life. And that's what we believe baptism is. And so if you or someone that you know is interested in being baptized, again, go to our app, go to our website, right there that you see on the screen, or for those of us in the room, again, we can just go out to the hub and you'll see people with bright orange shirts on out there and they would love to have a conversation with you about that. And as many of you know, In the past year, we have been searching for a new senior leader to lead our Kensington movement. And so we have been going through various processes and we've been giving you updates along the way. And so there has been something else that has transpired recently that we wanted to give you an update on. And so we'd love for you to check out this video and let's learn more about what's happening.
1: In the late 80s, I was on staff at Faith Church in Rochester Hills, Michigan. There I became friends with Dave Wilson and Mark Nelson, along with... My wife Paula, these two men with their wives, Ann and Callie, the six of us started a dream of creating a church for people who gave up on church. On the first Sunday morning, God brought over 400 people to that first service in a little middle, middle school cafeteria. For three decades, we've seen thousands of people put their faith in Jesus, we've seen marriages restored, addictions broken, people's lives being transformed from extreme self-centeredness to some of the most generous, loving people I know. Everything in our strategy has been about people meeting Jesus through launching churches to reach all kinds of people in their culture, region, and context all over the world. And then way sooner than I imagined, in 2017, I sensed a shift. I realized there needed to be a transition in leadership. It took some years of planning and strategy, but in the summer of 2020, I announced that I was stepping down as the lead pastor of Kensington. Not retiring, not leaving, just handing off the reins of day to day operational leadership. Dave and Ann and Mark and Callie have journeyed into the next chapter of their lives as well, still full tilt following the call of God on their lives. At the same time, we announced that Danny Cox was going to step into the role as the interim executive pastor, and he did an amazing job at the toughest season our world has known in a long time, and certainly our community has ever faced. Jim Mays is now taken on the role of interim executive pastor. I am very involved teaching at our campuses, meeting with people, encouraging our staff and team serving on the elder board, and my role is the lead pastor, visionary, strategist, and lead decision maker at Kensington, came to an end as of july 2020 and what a ride it has been
0: no one could have predicted what this past year and a half would bring and as i look back over this experience i can't help but see how god's hand has been there every step of the way providing and carrying us through and now with things opening back up we are seeing god continue to move in powerful ways Student ministries are in full swing. People are gathering in small and mid-sized groups and joining serving teams, ready to see what God is going to do in this next season. Additionally, people are being trained in cross-cultural relationships and others are committing to meet the needs of people immigrating from Afghanistan. You know, these last 18 months have been very difficult. And today looks quite a bit different than it did just two years ago. But we know that God is continually working, even when we can't see it, and we lean on Him, and we look to God for direction and guidance as we continue to move forward. You know, I really do believe that there is so much hope for the future, not only for this small C church called Kensington in our little area of the world, but also for the big C church that is around the entire globe.
4: So back in 2006, there was a church planted by Kensington called Paradox. It was one of, frankly, several churches that Kensington has started. But this one was specifically unique and special to me because I was the lead pastor that was called to launch the church along with a team of 18 other people. And so now here I am 15 years later, and I'm working for the church that launched us back in 2006. And here's the incredible thing about church planning. Part of the process of church planning is to put a seed in the ground. And when the seed dies over time, something new and something beautiful begins to break through the ground. And I believe that's exactly where we as Kensington right now are at. And obviously nothing's died, but we are in a new era. And a new seed, I believe, very much is being planted in this church. And we couldn't be more excited to follow God into the great unknown in front of us. So as you may know, Kensington is in search of a new senior leader. And the elder board has been working tirelessly along with other leaders at Kensington on who this next person will be. And so recently the elders decided to partner with an organization called Vanderblumen to help us with the nationwide search. Vanderblumen is a search firm with a solid track record in senior leadership placement for large churches. And so we're very grateful for this opportunity to partner with them. In our search, our goal is to find a leader that will embody our mission to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And so our goal is always and has always been and will always be Luke 15, leaving the 99 for the one. The one who is far from Christ and lead them to learn about who Jesus is, his love for them, and then to be transformed and mobilized to go into all the world and share his message with everyone else. So to help keep you informed, there's a few things that we've done in this process. You can go, first of all, to kensingtonchurch.org succession. Here you're gonna get updates regarding the process, frequently asked questions, timelines, videos that are gonna provide more details, and a slew of other information. Once a candidate comes forward, then we're gonna present them to you, the congregation, and we're gonna ask for a congregational vote. And the reason is is that your input is incredibly valuable to us. We are gonna do this together. And please, along the way, be in prayer for our leadership and partnership with Vanderbloemen, as we know that this is a huge decision for the future of Kensington. We don't know who the person is, but this is what I'm confident of. I am confident that God has already planted a seed in this person's heart, in their soul, and in their mind, in preparation for something beautiful in the days ahead. And I'm confident of this. Jesus Christ is our senior most pastor He is leading us, and if we follow him, he will take us to an incredible future.
3: So we're really, really excited about our new partnership with Vanderblumen, and they really are a fantastic organization, and they have a ton of experience in this area. And so as this process continues to move forward, we will provide you with updates as they become available. But in the meantime, if you would like more information, all you have to do is go to the website that Craig mentioned, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash succession. You can find out more information there. You can submit questions as well if you have any of those but we want to continue to invite and encourage all of us to be praying and that God would continue to lead us in this interim period and also that he would give us patience during this season as well and that when this person comes forward, that he would also show us who this person is in his timing. And so on that note, we actually wanted to do that today. We also wanted to pray. So would you join me in prayer? Let's pray about that. Lord, we are grateful that you continue to lead us, Lord, and that you are our ultimate leader and that you have not gone anywhere, Lord. And that in the decades that this community has been in existence, that you have led us, God, and you have given us everything that we need. And in this new season that we are in, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you continue to be who you are and you continue to give us more of yourself and you continue to not only do incredible things in this community, but also through this community as well. And so, Lord, I pray that for us as an entire community that we, we would continue to look to you, that we would continue to pray and lean into you during this time. And we thank you, Lord, that in your timing that you will bring this person forward. So I'm grateful for this community, Lord. And we pray all these things in your son's name, amen. And so we're gonna get into the message in a moment, but before we do, we wanted to do something that we honestly have not done in probably about a year and a half. And I wanna invite you wherever you are sitting just simply to turn to the people around you, give them a wave, give them a hello, give them a smile and to maintain that six feet distance. But just, to, let's just acknowledge the people around us today. Love that sound—that sort of that murmuring. I haven't heard that in a long time. It just is a beautiful thing when you just are acknowledged that you exist. And so, thank you for participating in that. And so, today we are in the fourth and final week of our series, Reveal. And let me tell you, this has been one of my favorite series that we have done this year. And so, if you missed any of the previous weeks, I want to invite you—you you can go to our YouTube channel, our app, website, social media, whatever works for you—and I want to invite you to catch up on this series there. Because in it, we have been looking at well-known sayings that many of us have heard and some of us have probably even said and examining how they align with the scriptures and the heart of God. And thus far, we've looked at sayings like, because God said so, God, God helps those who help themselves. And last week, we looked at this whole idea of blessing and what it means. And so today, we're gonna be looking at a phrase that I struggled with for a long time. But at the same time, it's a phrase that I have said that I've heard plenty of other people say, and maybe you have said it as well. And what that saying is, is everything happens for a reason. And as I was thinking about this message this past week, I was reminded of something that happened with my family just recently. I'm reminded of him actually every single day. In that my family, we recently added a new member, a sixth member to our family. So I wanted to introduce you to this guy. His name is Waffles Syrup Kim. My kids gave him that name. And so he's a mini Labradoodle. He is four weeks old, but trust me, it feels like we've had him for four years. My lifespan has significantly decreased in that moment. Or in these four weeks, but let me tell you, I have never had a pet in my life, right? How many of you have had a dog or have a dog right now? Just by a quick show of hands. Okay, a lot of you, right? So I've never even had a pet, never even had a goldfish, right? And so I went from not having anything, no experience, to suddenly getting a dog that I have no idea what to do with. And so my wife and I, we have been watching YouTube videos, reading articles. What are we supposed to do with this mammal, right? And how are we supposed to teach him and love him and all of that? I had no clue. And so one of the things that apparently you're supposed to do with dogs is you're supposed to take them out in the morning so that they can go to the bathroom. And so earlier this week, I, took, I did exactly that, and I took him outside so that he could go to the bathroom. But every single time he was about to go, something would happen, and that one of our neighbors would come out to go to work. The school bus would pass by or something else, somebody would honk, right? And so it was like the perfect storm. So he was about to go and then he would get nervous and he would stop and he would run away and that kept on happening over and over and over again. So I thought nothing had happened. And so I picked him up and I took him inside and then he started running around and playing with my kids. And then after a short time, I was walking around the living room and I noticed fecal matter all over the carpet. And then I looked down and I noticed that it was all over my shirt. And it was because something had gone wrong outside and so I noticed that it was all over him. And so 10 minutes before I'm supposed to leave for work because I needed to get to a meeting, I found myself in my bathtub with my dog cleaning excrement from parts of him that I never ever wanted to touch, asking the question, why God, why? Anybody else been there before? Right, some of you actually have. Wow, that's incredible. I thought nobody was gonna put their hand out for that one, but thank you so much for your courage. Thanks for standing with me. But in terms of that question, why God? That is a question that every single one of us have asked at some point in our lives, especially when serious and difficult things have happened. Like when one of our children was struggling with something so hard in their life, or when we were suddenly laid off from our job, or that person that we love was diagnosed with cancer. And because we want to know the reason why, because then that would mean that our pain and our suffering would not be in vain. And several years ago, the Yale Mind and Development Lab, they actually did a study and they asked a group of people to reflect on significant events in their lives, like a graduation, the birth of a child, the death of a loved one, a serious illness. And what they found was, was that those people who identified themselves as religious believers, they said that these events had happened in their lives for a reason. That they believed that God had purposely designed for these things to happen in their life. But what they also found, and this was surprising to them, was that the majority of people who identified themselves as atheists said something very similar. And that they said that these events in their life, they happen for a reason because they believed that there is an underlying order to life that determines how things will turn out. And so one of the findings of this study was, was that regardless of who you are, there's something inside of all of us that wants to believe that everything happens for a reason, that life isn't just a series of random events that happen to us, but rather there's a logic that there's an order to our life and to our world. And so this is the question Is that actually true? Does everything happen for a reason? Or is there another explanation as to why things happen in our world? And so we made a video to try to answer this question. And so we're gonna watch that video in a little bit. But before we actually get to that, what we also wanted to do is we wanted to also receive our offering today. And something that I love about this community is your generosity. It truly allows us to do what we're going to be doing on November 20th, which is providing those Thanksgiving baskets. And over the past year and a half, we have stepped into so many incredible situations. So thank you so much because how I view this moment is that it's not about primarily about money, but it is about mission, about us as a community moving forward to what God has created us to do. And so thank you so much for choosing to live like this. And so if you would like to give, there are a number of ways that we can do so, and it's gonna come up on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977. We can also give via the Kensington app or the website. We can also write a check to our physical location here, or for those of us in the room, at every entrance and exit, there is a box where we can place our offering as well. But thank you so much for your generosity. So let's take a look at this video together.
5: Let me try and paint a picture for you. You are going to a funeral service of a co-worker's sister who was killed in a car accident. The other driver was drunk. You are standing in line to share your condolences with the family. As you're getting ready to shake a hand or to utter the phrase, I am so sorry for your loss, the person in front of you says to the family members, everything happens for a reason. You notice the look on your coworker's face after this phrase is spoken to them. It's a mixture of confusion, sadness, anger, and awkwardness. They don't know whether to say thank you or to ask the person to kindly leave. Of course, everything does happen for a reason. In this case, the reason was that someone chose to get behind the wheel and drive while intoxicated. Assumingly, the person sharing this thought is under the impression that offering it with the family will bring some level of comfort hidden in these words is that God in some mysterious and unknown way was involved. And there's a reason. Even if we cannot see it at the moment, everything happens for a reason. A phrase that we hear so often in hopes of bringing meaning and resolve to life's most defining moments. But does it really help? Is it true? What does it even mean? In 1965, a song hit the charts by the birds called Turn, Turn, Turn. Now for those of you who were born after 1975, here are some of the lyrics. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. To everything, there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. Very poetic and very old like over 2,000 years old. This song was inspired straight from the book of Ecclesiastes found in the Old Testament, chapter three to be specific. Okay, if there is a time for everything and everything happens for a reason, that means there must be a purpose for these times. That seems to point to the idea that God is in control. But is this thought really reassuring? Was God in the choice of the driver to drink and drive? When we say God is in control, do we mean that He is controlling everything, even that choice? Along with the statement that God is in control, we often sometimes hear these words, He will not give us more than we can handle. I'm sure that's in the Bible somewhere. Or is it? I mean, if everything happens for a reason, and God is in control, and He wouldn't give us more than we can handle, that's a pretty sweet deal. But was God in control when over six million Jews were killed under the Nazi regime? Or when over four million Africans were enslaved in our own country? Or when a drunk driver walks away from a car accident that took the life of an innocent person? Is it all part of God's plan? And if God is protecting us from more than we can bear, why don't more people bear up to life's pain and tragedies?
3: And there's a lot to think about in that video. And before we move further, I just want to give two shout-outs. Um, and the first is to our video team, and because they're the ones who are behind each of these videos in this series that have been really, really instrumental in speaking to us and really causing us to think a lot more deeply about these issues that we've tackled. But I also want to give a shout-out to Craig Mays, who is our interim lead pastor over at our Clinton Township campus, because he's the one who is the lead teacher on this message. And a lot of it are a lot of the thoughts that I'm going to be presenting are his, thoughts especially when it comes to the scripture passages but when it comes to this question of does everything happen for a reason i felt like andrea answered that in this video because she did and because every, does everything happen for a reason yes it does because in this world there is a cause and there is an effect and so we answered the question right and so that means we're done right we can all go home but you and i both know it's not that simple because there are questions behind this question. Questions that we wrestle with, that we grapple with, questions that we want to know the answer to. For example, if everything does happen for a reason, who's behind that reason? And is it God? And if it is, what does that say about him? Because if he's the one who causes everything, if he's the one who orchestrates everything, that would mean that he's the one who caused my illness. That would mean that he's the one who killed my child in that car accident. He's the one who's behind the mass shootings in this country. And if he's the one who's behind that, then he cannot be good. Because how can you think that somebody is good who would do these types of awful and terrible things? But at the same time, that if he's not behind these things, that would mean that he's not in complete and in full control. And this is the tension that people have tried to navigate for millenniums. Because how do you reconcile a God who we believe to be loving, good, all-knowing, all-powerful, and in total control with the pain and the suffering that we have experienced and that we see in our lives and in our world? And this topic is an intensely personal one, not only for me, but I know for many of you, because for every single one of us, whether we're here in this room or whether we're watching on stream, we have been touched by pain, difficulty, and heartache in our lives at some point. And probably for all of us, it has happened many, many times. And whether we know it or not, something that I truly believe is that we all have a theology. We all have a belief about God that allows us to navigate and explain these types of situations. And we may think that God causes it, that he allows it, or he has nothing to do with it, but we all have a theological framework that allows us to survive when these terrible things happen in our lives and to explain God's involvement in them. And this issue is a massive one. It's a challenging one. It's an incredibly complex one. And with complex and challenging issues, there are always a ton of beliefs and perspectives and opinions out there, and this issue is no different. And so what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to present two perspectives from the scriptures when it comes to this issue, and I'm going to be leaning towards one. And I'm not saying with absolute certainty the one I'm going to be leaning towards is the right one. But after years of study and contemplation and prayer, I believe it to be true. And the thing is, is that with all complex and challenging topics, we're not going to be able to get through it all. Because there's 30 minutes right now, actually less than 30 minutes to talk about a topic that people have wrestled with really since the beginning of human history. And the thing about this topic is, is a little bit more of a, we have to put on our thinking caps type of message But at the same time, if this issue is one that is of interest to you, I would encourage you and I would challenge you to dig deeper. And if you're looking for places where to start and if you're thinking, hey, you know what, how do I jump in? Danny or I would love to help you with that, would love to provide you with resources that can help you to move in that direction. But one of the beliefs, one of the beliefs that people have held all throughout history when it comes to this issue of does everything happen for a reason is this idea that God is the causal agent behind everything in this world, that he orchestrates everything from the smallest detail to the greatest event. And sometimes, sometimes he's the only one who understands why it's happening. And so according to this belief, we just have to trust him. But this is where I struggle with this perspective in that how do you trust, how do you follow a God whose, de- whose desire for your life partially is to intentionally bring pain, suffering, and devastation into your life? How can you say, yes, I absolutely trust you to lead me and I'm gonna follow you wherever you go, even into that terrible pit. And the people who adhere to this belief and embrace this perspective It's not like they just created it out of nowhere. But when we actually look at the scriptures, there are many passages that appear to support this understanding. And one of them is found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And this is what God says to his people. He says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And when God says, I make known the end from the beginning, what he was using was he was using a rhetorical device called a merism. And it's a figure of speech where two polar opposites are stated to take into account everything in between. And so when God says, when God was making the statement, he was saying, I know not only the beginning and the end, but I know everything in between. That is a powerful statement to support this belief that he is behind everything. And there are others, I can keep on going on and on. Another is found in the Old Testament book of Psalms. King David, the second king of the nation of Israel said this about God. God, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's a credible statement. This is how much God knows and this is how much he is in control. And those are two from the Old Testament. And this is one example from the Gospel of John in the New Testament where John actually describes an encounter that Jesus had with a man who had been born blind. And when Jesus' disciples saw this blind man who had been blind for decades, they asked Jesus a question that sort of reflects this everything happens for a reason belief. This is the interaction. And that Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so basically, Jesus' disciples are saying to him, Hey, Jesus, this is clearly not right. This type of suffering is not what is supposed to happen. So who messed up? Who can we blame? And Jesus responds by saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And Nick Vujicic, he is an author, he is a speaker, and he also is the founder and leader of an organization called Life Without Limbs. And he himself was born without arms or legs. And this is a picture of him. And probably many of you are familiar with him because he's been all around the world sharing his story. He's been on Oprah and a ton of other shows as well. And I know I've heard his story a number of times. And one of the things that he said was that growing up, he deeply struggled with depression and loneliness. And at the age of eight, he even tried to take his own life. And he said for years, he would ask God the same question over and over and over again. And that question was, why God? Why did you make me like this? And he said that he struggled with this, but everything changed for him when he was a teenager. And he read these words that we are reading today. Let me read them again. And it's when Jesus says to his disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened. And those two words are really, really important for what we're gonna be talking about in the next few moments. But Jesus says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And for Nick Vujicic, he understood that this happened to refer to this man being born blind. In that the reason why, what he believed, was that God intentionally created this man to be born blind so that later on he could heal him and so that ultimately God could be glorified. And Nick says in his story that when he first read these words as a teenager, he got goosebumps because he realized for the first time in his life that God knew what he was doing when he made him without arms or legs, just like God knew what he was doing when he made this man that there was a reason for it. And Nick believed that God did this so that he could not only do something extraordinary in him, but also through him as well. And this is the belief that God is the causal agent behind everything, including our pain and our suffering. But this is again where I struggle with this perspective. Because when I hear that, you know the question that enters into my mind? The question is, does God need Does God want glory so badly that he would do this to someone? That he would orchestrate this in somebody's life? That he would cause someone intentionally to be born blind and then have to struggle with it for decades? Is this the God that we follow? And is this the God that we serve? And some people would say yes. And because they would say, hey, you know what? God has a greater purpose that you and I, we cannot understand as human beings. So we just have to trust him. And if that is your perspective, you know what? I respect that and I honor that because I truly believe it falls within the boundaries of scripture. But to that question, is that the God that we serve? I say no, and I would disagree with that because everything that I have seen in the scriptures and not only in the scriptures, but my life experience would say, no, that is not the God that I believe I serve. And I believe that it does not align with his character and nature as revealed in the scriptures. And this is also where it gets really interesting as well. Because if you were here or if you caught the service three weeks ago, we looked at this one phrase, because God said so. And we talked about how the Bible in all of its complexity and all of its nuance and all of its beauty, whenever it's read and thought about by any human being, it has to be interpreted. And that's where the introduction of error can occur. Because even though we may believe that the Bible is infallible, you and I are not. And we see this all throughout history, all throughout the past handful of centuries, and that when we've had the Bible, and that people have looked at the same words in the Bible, the same verses, and left with two very different understandings. And we actually see this right here. This is a great example of it. Because you know those two words, this happened? This happened? Nick Vujicic believes that it refers back to this man being intentionally created and born blind by God, that God caused it. But when I read those two words, and many scholars would agree with me that I believe it doesn't point to Jesus saying, hey, God's intentionally created this guy as blind, but I believe it points forward to his healing. And when we understand it like that, this verse means something very different. And this is how I would read it. And I believe that what Jesus is saying here is this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but I am going to heal him. So this happened doesn't point to him intentionally being created born blind, but it points to Jesus healing him. But I am going to heal him so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so when you see that, that is a very, very different understanding. Because I don't believe that God intentionally created this man to be born blind. But I believe that Jesus allow, God allows it because he's in control. And But the reason is, is, the reason why I believe that these things happen is because we live in a fallen and a broken and a sinful world. But I believe that God's purpose wasn't in his blindness, but rather it was in his healing. And we also see this in the historical accounts of Jesus' life and his work while he was on this earth which are the four gospel accounts in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those accounts, you never ever hear Jesus say and Jesus attributes suffering to God's will. But rather what Jesus did over and over and over again is he stepped into these moments of suffering to alleviate it. God's will was never in the terrible circumstances that people found themselves in, but the action to actually bring healing and restoration and wholeness. And one event that has actually really formed my perspective on this, there have been several, but one was one that happened years ago when I worked for a humanitarian organization. And with this organization, I had an opportunity to go to the West African country of Sierra Leone, and we were there for a couple of months, and they had just come off of a decade-long civil war. And we, we traveled to this one part of the country where I saw so many people, an unusual number of people, missing arms and legs and different body parts. And so I asked the person who was with me, my guide, what in the world happened here? And he told me that when the rebels would enter into a village, they would line the people up and they would cut off their body parts with a machete so that to instill fear in them and so that they would not fight back against them and they would not rebel. And he told me stories that were so incredibly heartbreaking, stories that I never could have imagined. And when I was listening to him, I remember thinking for the very first time in my life, that is the face of evil. And he would tell me stories about how when these villagers would be lined up, understanding what would happen, they would actually fight with one another to get to the front of the line, understanding that towards the back of the line, that's where the machete blade got dull and that's when it got painful. And I was thinking in my head, how in the world do you do this to another human being? How do you do this to children? And I also remember thinking, God, I cannot believe that you are the one behind this. I cannot believe that you are the one who would orchestrate this to people who you say you love. I just cannot believe that. But at the same time, what I also saw was I saw in the midst of such extraordinary pain, I saw beauty springing up. And that many of these people that, who did these awful things, they were actually children who had been brainwashed. And there was healing and there was restoration that was happening. And what was truly extraordinary was that these children and these people who had done awful things to these innocent victims is that there, would be for, there was forgiveness and there was reconciliation. There was a movement towards each other. And when I actually saw that, I, was, I thought to myself, God, this is something that only you can do because there's no way any human being by their own strength could do this after suffering this extraordinary injustice and pain and suffering. And that, I've never forgotten that. And I've always thought to myself, and it's just what we're talking about, God, you could never ever be in this, this type of evil. It does not align with who I believe you are. That cannot be your will. But I truly believe this is your will in causing beauty to come out even of an awful situation. I've never forgotten that. And we also see this in the writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And by far the most quoted the most referred to verse in the history of the world when it comes to difficult things happening and us struggling to trust God is this verse that we're about to read in the New Testament book of Romans. I've heard it referred to, quoted in hospital rooms, memorial services, you name it, I've heard it. And this is what Paul writes. And we know that in all things, All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And notice, this is really important. Notice that God doesn't say that he causes all things to happen. But what he does is that he causes good to result out of all things. Because even though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish. That is the God that we serve. And that is what I truly, truly believe about this. And three weeks ago, I shared with you the story of my journey with this issue. Because for almost a decade, I searched for answers. Because I wanted to know why God, why did my dad die of cancer when I was four. And then all of this stuff happened to me. And then all of this stuff happened to my family. Terrible things And for those almost 10 years, on that journey, I read every book and article I could get my hands on. I wrote papers on this topic in seminary. I had countless number of conversations. I scoured and studied the scriptures and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And one of the realizations that I had at the end of that journey is that this issue, uh, when it comes to, Everything happens for a reason, pain and suffering and all the problem of evil in the world. This issue is not primarily an intellectual one, although that's important, but primarily it's a personal one. And as I've had conversation after conversation with people over the years, I'm even more convinced of this, that even more important than the question of why God, what is more important than that question is do you actually care God? Do you care that I've lost these things and these people in my life? Do you care about my brokenness? Do you care that I feel hopeless and helpless and utterly alone? Do you care about my pain and my suffering? That I feel like is the pivotal question, is the core question at the heart of this issue. And because it's a personal issue, it demands a personal answer. And that's exactly what God did. Because the ultimate answer to this issue of pain and suffering in our world that God gave us was it was not an explanation, but rather it was the incarnation. Because we do not serve a God who is distant, disinterested, and detached. A God who keeps us at arm's length and says, hey, you know what? Stay there. I'm just going to do my thing over here. You just live your life. But rather we serve a God who comes close. And more than 2,000 years ago, he came close. It says in the message translation of the gospel of John that Jesus, what he did was that he moved into the neighborhood and he has never left. And that he took on flesh. And as a human being, he experienced the entire spectrum of the human experience. And what he actually experienced also was death on a cross. He understands what it feels like to be human. He understands what despair feels like. He understands what it feels like to be stabbed in the back, to be utterly alone, to have your closest friends and your family completely abandon you in your greatest time of need. He understands what loss feels like. He understands all of these things. And that is why when we go through these situations in our lives, we can look to him and we can know that he truly understands how we feel, that he can not just sympathize with us, but he can truly empathize with us. But this is also the extraordinary thing to me because the cross, the foundation of our faith, it communicates a lot of messages. But one of the messages that it screams out is that it says, I love you, I love you. And the cross says, I not only know how you feel, but it also promises us a future that is completely different. And it promises us that things will not always be like this. Because ultimately for Jesus followers, what we can look forward to is a place, as it says at the end of the Bible, a place where there will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain. And that's hard for us to imagine right now. But at the same time, it's a place that we can not only look forward to, but be absolutely certain of. This is what God has done for us. His, ex, his answer to us is not an explanation, but it was a person. It was an, the incarnation. And he says, this is how much I love you. And this is how much I am with you in your pain and in your suffering. And H.G. Spafford, he was a successful lawyer as well as a businessman back in the 19th century. And then suddenly things were going really well for him and his family, but then suddenly a tragedy struck and his son died of pneumonia. And then he lost a lot of his business in the Great Chicago Fire. And so, understanding that his family, they just needed a break and they just needed a breather, that he actually booked for them a vacation to Europe. But at the very last minute, business came up for him. And so he had to delay his departure. But he told his wife and his four girls, hey, you know what? You guys go on ahead of me, right? Get on that ship and you sail across and enjoy Europe and I'll catch up with you. And so they did. But what happened was while his wife and his four children were sailing across the Atlantic, Their ship that they were on collided with another and it sank in less than 12 minutes. And nine days later, when his wife arrived in Wales, she sent him a communication that just included two words, saved alone. And when he realized that now, not just four of his daughters had died, but all five of his children were now dead, he turned to his friend in that moment and he said words to him that I don't think I could have said. He said, I am glad to trust the Lord when it will cost me something. I'm glad to trust the Lord when it will cost me something. And I've never lost a child before, but I know some of you have. And the devastation that you feel, how your world falls apart. But yet he says those words, I'm glad to trust the Lord when it will cost me something. And so as soon as he could, He booked passage aboard a ship so he could join his wife in Europe. And while they were sailing across one night, the captain of that ship called him into his cabin and told him, We are about to pass the place where your wife and your four daughters' ship went down. And in the midst of his pain, his suffering, his grief, his anger that night, Spafford wrote a hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. And it's a hymn that has brought solace to so many in pain and grief. And this is the first verse of that song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How do you write those words? How do you say those words when you have been through what he had gone through? that type of pain and that type of devastation and loss in his life. And the only conclusion that I can come to is that he must have known the heart of God like few do in our world. That he must have understood that because God went through what he went through, the full spectrum of the human experience, that he can not just sympathize with us, but truly empathize with us as well. And as I mentioned, this issue is a deeply personal one. And I know whether you're here in the room, whether I know there are people here in the room and there are people watching on stream, where right now you are struggling with really, really hard things in your life. And it could be a loss of a child. It may be divorce. It may be that you lost your job and you have no idea how you're gonna support your family. Maybe somebody that you love is gonna pass away in the next few months but it's so hard and it's ripping your heart apart. And this issue of pain and suffering is does everything happen for a reason? It's not a neutral topic. It is not because for the people who have truly experienced this in their lives, it's such a polarizing issue. And people will go one of two ways. People will either move away from God and say, forget you, God, I don't wanna have anything to do with you. You who would allow this to happen to my family and my life, I don't want anything to do with you. I will not follow you. And I've seen plenty of people move in that direction but I've also seen people move in the other direction that in their pain and in their suffering say, God, I will lean into you in a greater way. And that is my hope is that if that is where you are, that you would lean into him in a greater way and that you would seek after him. And what that looks like is that seeking after him looks like studying the scriptures that it could be prayer, it could be reading books about this, it could be having the hard conversation, but whatever it is that we will lean into him. And this is where I say this from personal experience, not just from pie in the sky stuff or platitudes that I wanna just simply throw your way. Because if we lean into him in these moments, that we will find him. Because God tells us that he's not a God who just runs away from us, but he says that when we seek him, you will understand that I have been right here entire life and you will find me. And when we find him, we will find everything that we need. We will find everything that we need that will not just simply satisfy this, but all of who we are, because we will find in him beauty and peace and strength and courage. And that is what I would invite you to do in the pain and in the suffering, because this is a topic that is so difficult. In terms of an intellectual answer, this is an issue that people have wrestled with for millenniums and we will continue to wrestle with it. But at the same time, when we move towards him, we find not just an intellectual answer, but one that will truly satisfy our souls. And that's what I believe that H.G. Spafford understood. And this is the reason why I believe that he was able to write these words, that even in the storm that was circling all around him, he was able to say, it is well with my soul. And so we're gonna actually sing a version of that song in a moment. And Lachelle is going to lead us in that. But before we do, I wanna invite all of us to pray. And let me pray for us today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, Lord. And I know, Lord, because of life, there are people here and people watching on stream, Lord, who are wrestling with so much right now. People who came in or tuned in and their hearts are so heavy because of what they're having to go through right now. And for those people, Lord, I pray that today in this moment, that in this new week, Lord, in the days to come, that you would remind them, Lord, that you are present with them, that you go before them, Lord, and you order their steps, God. But also, Lord, that you would remind them that you truly are good. And when they lean into you, Lord, they will find you and find something that this world cannot give, that in the midst of the pain and the heartbreak and the loss and the grief that they are experiencing, Lord, they will find something, Lord, that is absolutely priceless, God, and will allow them to move through this storm. And so Lord, I pray, because we need strength to be able to do this. Give us the strength to be able to lean into you in these moments in our lives and that you would reveal more of who you are, your heart for us, your beauty, God. And so we thank you and we pray these things in your name. what a way to end the day and what a perfect way to end this series, that image of God's goodness running after us, that that would be the image that we take into our week. But hey, as we're concluding this series, I want to invite you just to stick around for one more minute because we actually want to let you know about what is starting next week, a brand new series. And so let's check out this promo video together. We live in a society that often throws away what is broken with quick and sometimes cheaper replacements. It's the same with our own lives. We're quick to move on and disregard these issues and experiences that have shaped us. In doing this, we often miss how much more beautiful and powerful life can be if we embrace these moments. The journey of restoration can be slow and is unique to every individual and circumstance. God uses our broken moments to display his grace and beautiful restoration of not only our lives, but our futures. And so this series really is a continuation of what we've been talking about today, how God is able to cause good to come out of our brokenness. And so we'd love for you to join us next week, whether it's in person or via stream, invite somebody else to come with you as well. But also, just before we go, I want to remind all of us, if anybody would like to receive prayer, our prayer team will be down front. Also, if you are somebody who has any questions about our community, we'd love to meet you. Drop by the hub out in the lobby. But we are grateful that you are here. And for those of you who joined us on stream, grateful for you as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.